Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Flyers Nation show. I'm your host, Alexa Ross. We are back. It is 2023. The Flyers are six of their last seven. And now joining me to talk about it, Eric Reese, Larry Flowers. Guys, happy 2023. Welcome back to the show. Let's let's talk about this little terror they're going on, huh? Yeah, they're hot all, all of a sudden. And um, it's led me to question uh, a lot, uh, kind of the whole philosophy of the fan base. Do we want this team to get Bedard, or are we starting to win and starting to think that there's something here? What, what which side of the coin are we falling on? Uh, first of all, Happy New Year. Um, thanks for having me on, as always. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of tanking, especially not at this point of the season. I, I just don't think you can do that. Um, I think you have to build this team organically and let things – Kind of fall with that. Plus, hockey's not a sport. It's very, very hard to tank in the NHL. These kids, <clears throat> they go out there and they play hard. There's only one way to play hockey, uh, and that's really hard, especially in the NHL. It's too fast to just kind of just try to tank. Tanking, just to my opinion, really doesn't it doesn't exist unless there's a few games left and you really want to call up all the young kids. And um, Bedard is obviously a very special talent. Uh, I watched most of the World Juniors uh, when I was in Aspen me and the boys, and uh, he is just absolutely special. Uh, um, but I'm not, I'm not going as far as saying that we should – I don't, I don't hope the Flyers lose to get him. Obviously, it would be incredible if he could somehow fall in a lapse. I think you just got to go out there and play hockey, play Flyers hockey, and uh, continue to build. But these kids, they're not tanking. They're, they're playing for their careers. I feel the same exact way, and I was hoping that you would say the same thing. I'm finding that the Flyers are kind of accidentally uncovering or um, some, some of this high-end talent that are looking for. Uh, you and I text a little bit about the Travis Konechny. Um, No longer do I feel like, even though he is uh, one of the better trade pieces that the Flyers have, obviously because he's performing at such a high rate, to me he's become untouchable. So I would not – he's somebody that you cannot trade. He is Flyers hockey. Yes, he is. We talk a little bit about TK, and TK was one of the guys that we thought about as a possibility with an all-star nod. Unfortunately, it wasn't him. It was Kevin Hayes. So let's listen to Kevin talking about getting that and being named all-star. Yeah, I mean, it uh, could have been a couple guys in this room. Um, it's nice to, to be nominated as an all-star. Um, it's... Uh, it's a cool situation for me because, uh, not to get emotional, but it's probably the only thing my brother, since he uh, stopped playing hockey, that he wanted me to accomplish. And uh, I never honestly thought it would happen, but um, it did, and it's uh, it's cool. I know my family's really excited. Uh, his son, Bo, will be with me the whole time, so it'll be a extra special experience. His first career selection, I'll get to have his, kid, his brother's kids with him. I think it's absolutely beautiful at least for the story you know i just you, you can't help but to be happy for a guy like that what was your guys reaction when you uh when you heard the news yeah uh as soon as i heard obviously i i texted kevin I'm very very happy for him it was a very exciting time for their family um he was really really excited about it uh you know listen I'm going to piggyback off towards a little bit the all-star game now it's not what it used to be when we were younger the all-star game i think guys took it Actually, guys played hard in those all-star games. Um, they wanted to win. It's a bit more of a showcase. Listen, the business has grown in such ways where, you know, you want to protect players, and it's more of a fun thing. It's for the fans. And I think this is a good, happy, uh, feel-good moment. Um, getting hazy uh, in the all-star game, I think it's great for, for him. I think it's great for the room, to be honest with you. Guys, listen, they, I don't think there's any doubt 
TK is the all-star of this team. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I guarantee you he's really happy for Hazy and his family. And uh, I think if anything, that, that brings unity and, and, and more team bonding. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and then connecting you said as much uh, right after, right uh, during uh, that interview cycle in that in the, in the locker room. He said he was happy to, uh, that Hayes made the playoffs, and and of course that's a great teammate. But I agree a hundred percent that tech, while Konechny is probably the guy that's uh, you know really should be quote unquote if you look at the stats, everything on paper, uh, kind of everything popping off the ice, the eye test as well. Um, to me, he is the all-star and Larry, you, you, you said that as well. Again, I'm, I'm stoked that, uh, Hayes is also there because he transitioned from center to left wing and kind of didn't shut up. He kept, produ- kept producing. So that's fantastic. Um, he's the second best, uh, player as far as the, sh- as far as the points are concerned on the whole roster. So it's not like, you know, it's a complete uh, miss. Like, he does deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, team and assists. Like, you know, and he's projected to finish with a career high, you know, in points this season. Right. And, you know, he shows the the characteristics of what you'd like your all-star to be. But I totally agree with you guys. Like, TK is that guy. I mean, there's also, listen, there's a flip side to that. There's a lot of things that the casual fan, including ourselves, don't really get to see. And that's in the locker room. That's on the ice. That's on the bench. Um, maybe there's a little bit more than meets the eye when it comes to Hazy. Uh, look, he's having he's statistically he's having a great season. There is no doubt that he is um, a locker room favorite. I mean, there's no doubt he's the man. I've been friends with Hazy for a long time. He's a great, great guy. Um, he's the kind of guy that you want to play with. And uh, maybe there's just a little bit more behind the scenes uh, that warranted him being selected over TK. So. I'm okay either way. I think it's a great feel-good story. And, again, to take nothing away from Kevin, he's having a very, very good season. And he's a big part of especially the most recent Flyer success. And, you know, he's been consistent putting the puck in the net and getting points. So, And I will say, like, as far as we're talking about everybody who's representing the All-Star game, I share these same exact feelings that Tortorella said. So I will probably won't be watching it. <laughs> probably won't. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. It's just kind of like – to say you you were an all-star at this point it's just it, it, uh, it is great it feels it's, like wide though it's like it's getting less and less fun to watch you know i was thinking about that the other day it's like let's make this mean something like baseball does a pretty good job of it uh the basketball like even if you don't like the all-star game itself like something makes me want to watch the dunk contest something makes me want to watch the three-point contest no one cares about the pro bowl like they used to and then I don't know how it's been like 20 years, but like that no one. And I don't know if anybody's like, how long has it been since really since the yeah. Dano Charo was slap shotting a puck? Like I like, the, I, I like the fastest skater. Uh, I, I always kind of keep my eye on that. Uh, I've been to a few all-star games. I actually might be going down to Florida for this all-star game. Um, we'll see. Um, but I will tell you this. It, it starts out as, I don't want to call it a joke, but you know, amongst the players, it, it starts out as fun. The skills competition is fun. The guys are having a good weekend. Um, but I will tell you this, when it gets to like the last round or the finals, um, guys definitely, definitely try. They're definitely wanting to win. Um, obviously there's some money involved for the guys that win, but uh, I can guarantee you. And I know because I, I talked to a lot of the guys that participated, uh, especially guys that have won and lost in the finals. Uh, when it comes time to it at the, at the very end, those guys are trying. We talked a little bit about how TK, you know, said as much in this cycle as did Carter. Carter Hart, he's been great for us this year. Travis Konechny, it's really special for him. We actually have that sound 
from TK kind of talking about the, you know, getting that nod for Hazy. Travis, I guess to start it off, uh, Kevin Hayes said there was multiple guys that could have been all stars on this team, but how nice is it to see Kevin get rewarded? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Kevin's been great in this league for a long time and did a lot of good things. So, I mean, he deserves to be there. He's been, I mean, carrying a lot of the offense for most of this year and doing a lot of good things. So. Is that something that his brother really wanted for him? Having been by his side through all the struggles last season, what does it mean to you guys to see him achieve that for his brother? Yeah, it's, it's obviously uh, pretty special for him. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to have uh, his his brother's kids there too, enjoying it and, and being part of that. So it's going to be an awesome experience for him. And when you like just listen to that kind of, you know, that sheer happiness and like good for you coming from TK, how I get the fans aren't happy that he didn't get nominated, but I feel like this does so much good for the locker room. Like it just makes everybody, you know, everyone can rally behind Hayes, especially with earlier this season with benchings and things like that. You know, you know what the players don't really care about. Um, and I think you can say about the, uh, I would say all, and I would say always, but in this instance, I guarantee you that locker room is not reading Twitter and they're not going on Instagram and reading comments. They don't give a shit. No, that's absolutely true. Like the players don't care, but we can absolutely sit here and just barter back and forth and say like, well, I think this guy based on these stats and that's fine. But like at the end of the day, it absolutely is a better story that Hayes is there. Like it really is. Yeah, I think here at Flyers Nation, we owe it to the Flyers and to TK and to uh, to Kevin to uh, tip our caps and uh, absolutely be really happy for him. Yeah. If I had a cap to tip, I would, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, we're, the spiritual cap is being tipped. Um, but as we kind of talk about the, the All-Star game and everything else, just kind of around sports, not just in hockey, but talking about hockey right now. The NHL is trying to introduce more fan input on the roster selection. So voting open to fans to select and vote for 12 players, two skaters, one goalie from each division on the NHL website. They can also vote on Twitter. What do you guys think about this? Do you think that this is like a way to get people excited again? Or do we think this is just kind of like a marketing ploy? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I think they're using this as a marketing ploy to try to – it's kind of both. Like it uses as a marketing ploy to um, basically – get the fans to just interact with the league and that's fine. Uh, using the social media to the hat to do the hashtags. I don't know um, exactly how they're going to go about counting up all the votes. I don't know if there's like a certain amount of votes or I don't know the insides and outs of how um, or how or what players are going to be, I guess, taken out of all the, the tweets and the posts or whatever. But, I mean, it, I do think it is nice that they are getting casual fans who just want to vote on something probably to get involved with the NHL. Uh, I, you know, and, and I also think about, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many guys in the league that are borderline all-stars, um, guys that didn't get voted in originally that could get voted in uh, from, the, from the fans. I wonder how many of those guys, maybe they'd rather go to Cabo or maybe go to, rather go to Bahamas. You know, I also think about like when, when, when you do comparisons, I do a lot of comparisons with some friends about like who's a potential hall of famer. And we have all these debates all the time about these guys. And we look at like, who's an all-star and how many all-star ballots have they received? Like, I wonder moving forward for the great players, uh, even the really good players where that kind of, 
how many all-star selections they have and, and what that weighs on their career and overall achievements. You know, it's kind of like being a little bit diluted a little, right? So, um, but I can tell you that there's a lot of guys out there that might really rather go on vacation. I mean, I certainly would. <laughs> I mean, you know. I think that Nick Delore would love to just kind of, you know, rest up and not have to take part in that. I mean, after all the hits and fights he's been in this year. <laughs> he's been a big part. He's been a big part of the Flyers' uh, success for for the success that they've had. Listen, I, I, when, when the time is right, I'd love to talk about that fourth line. For sure. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. Please, the floor um, is yours, Larry. Go for it. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, my, my, my old man, Meyer, he's, uh, he's a diehard Flyers fan. Him and I have been watching Flyers games our whole lives together. Uh, he's the best, and uh, he's uh, – He's very honest. Uh, he's what I call firm but fair or fair but firm. But anyway, um, him and I talked last night. He said, you know, the fourth line has a lot to do with the Flyers' recent success. And they have, a, they have a big part in um, the rejuvenation of Flyers hockey, not just hitting and fighting and, and that, you know, that, that Flyers mystique type um, label, but They've really given the Flyers an opportunity, the, the, the other three lines, to go out there and play a different style, play a little bit more of an aggressive style. When, when, you're, when you're on the ice and you're playing the NHL, um, you want to be able to know that you can go out there and play a really physical, tough, fast brand of hockey and know that guys have your backs. And when you're playing against teams that know that you don't have those type of guys to back you up, Sometimes you can get pushed around a little bit. Um, that's certainly been the case, in my opinion, for the Flyers in the last several years. They've been pushed around. I've seen instances where guys have been cheap-shotted and uh, guys have done nothing, um, which I don't like. What There was one instance in particular. Gosh, what was it? was a couple of years ago. Man, it slipped my mind right now, but there was a guy on the Flyers that got completely cheap-shotted. There were three three Flyers around the guy that and did nothing. But anyway, my point is, that fourth line is bringing an intensity to Flyers hockey now. It's keeping guys' uh, heads on swivels, and it's keeping the three lines, you know, on the Flyers to be able to play their style of hockey and know that there's not going to be any funny business out there. Otherwise, there's going to be repercussions, and that's how you that's how you build um, that's how you build a, a new Flyers style of hockey, and that's something that's that's worth uh, building upon. I think that you hit it exactly on the on the uh, the nail on the head. Um, as far as the fourth line kind of being able to back up the players, you have the third line, you have the second line, you have just all these different uh, players throughout the lineup. Like you're seeing Cates like kind of step into his own. He doesn't have to worry about – I mean, though he does play a fantastic defense, he doesn't have to worry about taking on the additional check because he might have um, a defenseman or, you know – if he's coming in on a line change where there's some of the fourth line still out there, he has those protectors around him for just a limited amount of time. Um, but the Flyers throughout the entire season have always been the team that's been wearing down their opponent throughout the regulation. Yeah. There's been a few games where that's gotten away, but for the most part, even during the 10 game losing streak, you saw that pattern happening. And from that, as the players get more confident and we're seeing six out of the last seven, what else are we seeing? We're seeing Owen Tippett. We're seeing Morgan Frost and they're playing yes. well with veterans, but they're unlocking the James Van Riemsdyk. You know, like you, we were looking it up just a little bit beforehand. There was like a, a four game kind of push where it was two regulation losses and, and, uh, and, and two overtime losses. And after that, the wins started coming in a lot more frequent once JVR kind of worked in with the lineup. That's not just his line. That's not just JVR. That's the fourth line kind of coming in and saying, 
now that we're getting healthy again, it's even going to be worse because we're still going to we still been chipping you down. We just know what to do with it now. Uh, did you notice last night in the Cavs game? Um, obviously, Tom Wilson's second game back. Um, really happy to see him back. Good buddy of mine. Uh, reached out to him before the game. Wish him good luck. Um, but you know, he's a guy that likes to drop the myths, right? And uh, you know, it was a last night was an unbelievable game. Very fast paced, a lot of hitting. Um, but it seemed pretty honest out there, right? Uh, there's a reason for that, right? I mean, listen, and uh, obviously the Flyers got a little bit of a big lead, so it doesn't give a guy like Tom Wilson, you know, he maybe doesn't want to drop the mitts. It's not the right time. But still, I mean, that fourth line plays a big role now in, in moving forward for the Flyers, and I, I really like what they're contributing. Um, you know, uh, McEwen scored a goal the other night as well. Uh, they're contributing in a lot of different ways. Brownie, who I've been a little bit cri- critical of uh, when he first got called up, uh, I think he's playing really, really well. And uh, I really like what I'm seeing from the fourth line of the Philadelphia Flyers. Absolutely. Um, guys, another thing we talked about offline was the trade deadline plans, specifically surrounding Ivan Provorov. So let's listen to Elliot Friedman talking about the possibility of a Provorov trade on the NHL Network. What's up with Ivan Provorov? There's something going on here. I think it could be as something as simple as the Flyers just realized that everything has to be on the table over the next six to 18 months to maybe it's just time with this particular player. He's got two more years under contract. The cap hit is six times 6.75. It's actually higher in cash. It goes up to about 17 million in cash for the next two seasons. He has frustration with what's going on there. And I think there's some frustration directed towards him too. You know what he needs, Elliot? It just dawned on me. What's that? He needs the defense whisperer. Ivan Provorov means Rick bonus. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have to say, look, I don't want anybody radioing us. We do that plenty to ourselves. But when I first heard about this, that was actually the first team that hopped into my mind. All right, guys, back to you. Let's start with Larry. What are your initial reactions upon hearing that? And just also about the possibility of dealing Provorov, where he could go, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, listen, I'm going to tell you my God's honest opinion. Um, I'd like to see him get traded. I don't think he fits the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers system. Uh, he's not He's not my type of player. He's a very good player. He's a very skilled player. Um from what I understand, he may not be the greatest locker room guy. I think there's some things going on um, within the locker room with him and some other guys. I think he might have a little bit of, a, of an ego. Um, I think that losing Niskanen is, was very, very, very big for him. Uh, that Niskanen was a really good D-man that got to play back really well positioned, really good positional defenseman that allowed Provorov to kind of do a little bit more. Now that he's gone, he can't do some of the things he does. I, I see him making some mistake. Look, Provorov is a really, really talented player. Um, he, he's got a lot of upside. Obviously, his stats in the last two years have come down a little bit. You know, going back three years, I think he got a vote for Norris. Um, he, he clearly has a lot of upside, and I think there's a lot of upside as far as trade value is concerned. Um, I just don't know from what I've heard uh, if he's really the guy that you want to continue to move forward with. I think he's a guy that you move and you get as much back as possible. Look for a team that's desperate for, you know, I read a good article today that there's about five teams that would be really good fits for him. I think the LA Kings, Ottawa Senators, um, 
Uh, who else was there? There was a shoot. There was a few other teams, but you know, there's definitely uh, a lot of value there for him. And I, personally, I would love to see him get moved and uh, get guys in there that I feel are probably better fits, uh, not only on the ice but off the ice. I I do feel that it is time for a change of scenery. I and I also believe that the Philadelphia Flyers have enough depth and their um and their system on the to fulfill the left side. I mean. There, there's a focus right now to get and develop their defensemen to play on both sides, so that doesn't really matter. But with Sandheim, I think you, he's primed and he's ready to take on their first uh, the first pair role in Philadelphia. So I think, you know, if you trade Provorov where he doesn't have any protection on his, on his uh, contract as far as a trade clause, you're going to get a good haul for him, and that's going to help towards a rebuild. You need to commit to that rebuild. And to your um, assessment really about the frustration, at least, at least Elliot Freeman's assessment of the frustration. Um, I remember the flyers, like the exit interviews for, from last season. And he was just asked, pro for all was just simply asked, you know, to uh, evaluate his game from the 21, 22 season. And the quote that I have here was, it doesn't matter. You're all experts at hockey, so you're going to give me your super experienced grades. I don't think my opinion really matters to you, which is fine. I don't need a player to like the media. That's never going to happen. But at the same time, if you're a professional, I think you can take the criticism from anybody who's watching the hockey game and looking at the numbers and they're agreeing with the eye test saying, yeah, he does turn over the puck in the defensive zone a lot. And that was mostly the criticism that he, that that he faces, you know, throughout his career. Besides that, the team was bad last year, and he only finished with a minus two. And yeah. he really, in comparison, like in most of the defense, like there's not really a, a silver lining outside of Sanheim. But the, the overall season wasn't as bad as you really are led to believe. It it, it just the way that he went about it and let that sour taste in everybody's mouth. And I think that's more the issue with the frustration about why he needs to be traded. Because Tortorella, if you're not going to buy into his deal, which doesn't sound like Provorov was doing really since Niskanen, I, I don't know what I don't know what to say. I, I mean, he, it's one of those – it's one of those uh, – the old quotes from uh, – I forget what coach it was, but can't win with him, can't win, with, can't win without him. Yeah, um, I, I'll never burn my sources, but I can tell you that – um, Probrov's never made a mistake. Uh, he's never wrong. It's never on him. Um, that's not the kind of guy I want in my room. Um, I think uh, I think his time has passed in Philadelphia, and uh, and I'd like to see him get dealt. As far as Sandheim is concerned, um, love Sandheim. I think there's a lot of upside. Uh, everything that my sources tell me is that he is an absolute beauty in the locker room. Guys absolutely love him. He's got a very very high hockey IQ. He understands where he needs to get better. Um, he has continued to progress, and uh, I can see Travis Anheim uh, becoming a solid uh, top defensive pairing in the NHL and on the Philadelphia Flyers, and I think he could be a huge part of the future success of the Flyers. He also reads the lines straight off the cue cards in those Car Shield commercials. <laughs> those commercials are unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, when they're making those commercials, I mean, what are they really? What are they saying when they're off there? I mean, they've got to be just ripping each other, or at least they get. I'm sure that the whole locker room is just absolutely ripping these guys and having a good time with it. But again, I think it's good for the. I think it's good for the team. 
I mean, they got Scott Lawton on the same commercial <laughs> with so uh, Ric Flair. I mean, I don't oh, know what yeah. else you can really say. That's an awesome it's, commercial. It's, it's incredible. So it's if we're so all on the same page, so if we're all in decision-making rooms, I think we all agree that dealing Provorov is the move. But do you think the Flyers make any other notable trades? And if so, what are your, the ones that you kind of foresee as being a possibility? I would have said Kevin Hayes, but I, 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 I don't see that. And, and, and Tortorella said something interesting today um, when he was on 97.5. He, he seemed to be pretty satisfied with the way that Hayes has kind of bounced from center to left wing and still contributed. Um, I see Hayes as an asset still. I, and there, and you can, there are these, you know, these debates and I've definitely written about them as well. And I've mentioned them before when you can say that, Hey, um, is he a buyout option? I mean, I guess, but he's an expensive buyout more than what I would pay for other people worth buying out in the roster. Or I, uh, look at Kevin Hayes and say, Hey, you can trade him at his probably his highest value right now. It's an all-star, all those things. That's, that makes a lot of sense as well. But there's also a part of you that says, what if Hayes is a, an essential piece to this team and we're now catching on to that? And I think uh, maybe that part's starting to become relevant. I, I'll tell you this. I do not trade Kevin Hayes under any circumstance. Um, I think he, is, he has, uh, since day one, I think he's really embraced the city of Philadelphia. Uh, I think he's a very important role. Again, not just on the ice, but in the room. Uh, he's definitely one of the team leader guys. I think uh, I think he's progressing really nicely. Look, with, with Tortorella, you're always going to have some drama. He's going to call guys out. That's kind of what he does. That's his thing. Um, but the proof is in the pudding, and I can only speak of what I've seen in recent times. And recently, uh, the Flyers have been winning. But more importantly, they've been playing really, really hard and playing really, really well this year overall based on the roster. Um, I, I don't think you trade uh, – I don't think you, you trade Hazy uh, under no circumstances. I think you just kind of um, – I, I, again, you move, move Provorov. As far as other moves, I mean, it depends if they want to really make a serious playoff push or they want to continue to just kind of see what they have and uh, hope some other guys get healthy. Um I'm really not sure uh, about that, but you know, look, like I said, like I say, every, uh, every episode, I, I truly enjoy watching Flyers hockey and I've been, I've enjoyed it even more recently. And uh, let's see where this thing goes. I mean, listen, maybe, maybe they continue to go on a hot streak and all of a sudden they really want to shake things up and they try to make a push and see if they can squeak into playoffs. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not saying that we've all agreed. I don't think they're necessarily a playoff team, but crazier things have happened, not only in the NHL, but in sports. But I'll tell you this. Let's just say hypothetically the Flyers squeak into the playoffs. And this now is a you're complete hypothetical. Let's say they hypothetically squeeze in. Would you want to play the Flyers in the first round? Because you know they're going to make somebody's life a living hell. Think about no, that. that's a, That's pure energy. They're going to make Did, someone's life a living hell. That fourth line is going to go out there and start and, and, and go after people. They're, they play hard. They, they, they play fast. Um, they have a bully. All they got to do is get hot for four games. They got to win four games. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm just saying. If they were to squeak in and if they can make a move and they can make some kind of a trade that gets a little bit more, you know, that makes the team a little bit more dynamic, um, I wouldn't want to play them in the first round. I don't care who it is. I mean, they're, they're at least going to wear you out. They're at least going to play you hard. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely true. They are going to play you hard. I would want to see the Flyers in the first round because I think 
in the bracket, I would have the best chance of if I'm imposing the Flyers to beat the Flyers, but it's not going to be an easy series by any stretch of the imagination, especially against a team um, coached by Tortorella in the playoffs. But here's the thing, okay, about maybe adding something at the trade deadline. And since I think we're both in agreement that Hayes is not going to be a part of something, I don't really see anything else that I would want to trade right now. But Provorov is kind of the guy. Uh, but so, like, what do you what do you see? I guess as a potential, like, if you can if you can take two things out of a package, what are you getting for Provorov? If you could, what am I looking for in return for Provorov? Yeah, like maybe like because I'm, I'm I assume it would have to be like a decent prospect and a pretty high pick. He's a 25 year old top four defenseman. I mean, I'm getting crazy right now, and I again, I, I'm not. I'm not an expert on the cap, but would you trade a first-round pick and Provorov for Kaner? For Kane now, no, no, no. I mean, that's that's too much capital for the age. I think in the, in the contract, he's got what? He's got how many years left, Kane? No, I'm not sure. Off hands, offhand, yeah. I do not know, but I think I don't think it's long. Uh, I would look I'm just up. saying that they're trying to make a serious push. I mean, I, I think Kane can still play. I think his style is, uh, you know, in a lot of ways you can Drew. His style is a style that he can continue to play at a high level. Obviously, Chicago is in a major rebuild. He's definitely getting dealt. Um, again, I, I don't think that's going to happen. He's 34 years old at 10 and a half mil for the, for the rest of this year, but you would get that on 50% retention probably. Um, so that would, I guess, be that's old. Yeah, I didn't realize he's 34. Yeah, yeah 34. So he'd be 35 next year. So a 35 plus contract. How old's so, Drew? Drew, I believe, is around the same, probably 33, if not 34. Yeah. Um, but what about, so, what about like, a second rounder? I'm ready. To, I mean, I, I think this, and I don't know, I, I don't know how crazy this sounds. Again, I'm not the best at constructing uh trades. But Ivan Provorov, I think, should get a first or second round pick back and a prospect. And I want a right winger. Like, I, I, because we're not necessarily healthy or deep at right wing, but I want to, I want a playmaker, like a guy that can just really facilitate that puck or like, like almost like Voracek, like, because I know everybody was like, oh, he doesn't score goals, but like, he also gets you like 60 assists. So I just want scoring plays really at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, if you do find another guy that's like Tippett, and then you get a first round pick back on a Provorov, I'm doing that like now, and I'll also drive Provorov to wherever he's being traded to. Like, yeah, like I would, I would have did that actually at this moment right now. Like, I don't know, somebody said, "Let's make like, hey, you said it on Flyers Nation show, let's do the deal." I'm like, I would put down this phone right now, leave the show, and be like, I would find Provy's agent, tell him what's up, and then let's go. That's what I would do. On a complete side note, everyone should keep their eye on this Cutter Gauthier kid. Yeah. Listen, Yeah. for all the Flyers fans out there listening, Flyers Nation, I'm telling you right now, I'm putting a stamp on it. This kid is going to be special. Um, I've watched him a little bit before World Juniors. I watched him in the World Juniors. Um, Boston College kid, he is unbelievable. He's big. He's strong. He's had a lot of comparisons, even bigger. He's had a lot of comparisons like a Rick Tockett, but even maybe a little bit of a better shot, maybe a little bit of a better skater, but he's got an attitude to him. 
Um, I think he is going to be an awesome, awesome player to watch for the Philadelphia Flyers, and I really can't wait for him to get called up one day. He turns, he turns 19 in like three days. I was also going to add to that, my bad guys, uh, Tyson Forrester made an AHL All-Star game. So there's that. If you want to not go to the NHL All-Star game, and if you want to go to the AHL one instead, you can see Tyson Forrester there with uh, Cam York. Cam York would also be a part of the roster if he wants to go down and do it. What's your opinion of Cam York so far? Dude, love it. Yes, like, sir. Tortorella was very, very smart with not bringing him up. Everything he I, said w- went down and it worked. So I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I'm not pretending like I know everything, but I thought the way Tortorella handled the Cam York situation was unbelievable. Um, I felt that he wanted to send him down, let him prove himself a little bit down there, let him earn getting called up with the big, with the big club. And now that he's up, man, he's, he is delivering. He clearly has a lot of talent. I think he also has a very bright future with the Flyers. We do have to talk more defense though. And I want to take us back to the one loss in the last seven games. We're going back to the Leafs game, Tony D'Angelo benched for the third period. I want to kind of talk about those mistakes, the turnovers that get him benched. And he did accept his responsibility for just kind of how things fell apart. But between that happening, but then the contrast with the pairing with Sanheim, you know, where do you see, do you think that game was an anomaly and just kind of the mistakes were just, there was just too much pressure and he was just kind of falling into it? I think he kind of got a, um, out ahead of himself. If you look at how quickly three out of those four turnovers happened, it was like two turnovers in 20 seconds. And then in the first 16 seconds of the second period, another turnover, it was all immediate, 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 you know, Tortorella, he's looking at those two turnovers. He's going to be, does it again. I'm pulling them. And if he, and he does it immediately in a second, it's really bad timing and circumstance. I don't think that it's going to be a problem. I think, uh, he's more of a solution and he's more of a help on defense than he's ever been a problem as far as, uh, you know, this season's concerned. But at the end of the day, it's like Tortorella is like we've mentioned earlier, he's going to, it's kind of this thing. He's going to bench people. And D'Angelo is no different in Konechny than, uh, than Hayes, you know, pretty much anybody who's sat down throughout the, throughout the season. He's no different. Um, and and honestly, the way that he handled that in the locker room and his responses uh, to you know kind of being quite a pestered with those questions was the exact way you want your hockey uh, player on your roster to handle those questions. He knows he's going to get pestered with those questions. Yeah, I got benched, and then what? Okay, you're just going to ask me about the benching. Okay, yes, it happens to everybody. And then what? Then the next time he played, he was pretty darn good. That's that, that's yeah. when then what? Well, then you saw the. Yeah what the D'Angelo Sanheim pairing can do. So Larry, talk to me about that. I know we've talked yeah. a lot about Sanheim. Yeah. I, listen, um, guys are going to have off nights. Guys are going to make mistakes. I'm okay with that. It's all about how you rebound to me. Uh, you know, he's the dash one in the Toronto game. That, that, that TO game. I mean, it just wasn't a great game. Uh, I think they lost what six, two, um, you know, it is what it is, but he, he's rebounded pretty well from it. I like Tony's game. Uh, you know, Tony's an up and down type of player. He's also very dynamic. Good, good guy to have on the power play. Um, I love how he opens his hips. He can move very quickly. He's got good vision. Um, you know, that was a tough game, but, um, but he's rebounded well. He's been playing pretty well lately. And I, you know, listen, as far as pairings with Sanheim, I think he's a good, I think he's a pretty interesting fit with Sanheim. They're completely different players in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, when you, when you build, when you want to build chemistry, you've got to figure out, you know, what piece fits with another piece. 
Um, you can't have two guys that play the same style. You only have Cam York out there with, you know, with Tony D. So, um, you know, kind of playing and mixing and matching and see if there's some, seeing if there's a little bit of spark. And it seems like there might be there. And I think you're going to have to keep that combination together because, again, if you want to move Provorov, that's going to be your top. So that's kind of – yeah, look at, look at the way that St. Hyman D'Angelo played. There's going to be ebbs and flows. But, man, when there's when, – when, yeah. when, they're, when they're peaking, they're peaking. So it's, it's fun to watch. The, the, the other thing that is very, very important to understand is that when someone gets benched – guys get benched in the NHL every day, right? Let's be honest. But when Tortorella benches a guy for the Philadelphia Flyers with the media – in the Philadelphia region, um, it's always going to be magnified, right? Um, to me, I don't really look that much into it. It's a long season, 82 games. Guys are going to get benched. Um, you move forward, and he clearly has, and the team clearly has, and uh, the rest is the, 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 what's the, what's the old, uh, the proof is in the pudding. Um, they've been playing pretty well lately. And again, I, I always keep a little extra close eye on uh, Tony D. Um, I have a little spot in my heart for him. I, I really like him, Philadelphia area kid. So um, I'm always rooting for him, and I think he's playing pretty well. Let's keep moving back. You know, let's take it from the blue line. We'll take it into the net now. Let's talk about the goaltending situation. So Carter Hart suffers a concussion on December 22nd, and then he's flown out to the team on the West Coast despite not playing either of these games with injury. Then you have Sam Erson coming in. He starts in all the games in the absence, four games he the four games straight, won all three in California. I know we talked about how the backup goaltending situation could have been a little precarious, but I feel like it's kind of working itself out. And guys, like, how do you feel about the way this has kind of played out this season? Just how we obviously have talked a lot about how Carter's been and just how great he is. But just knowing that you have Sam there, does that provide you any comfort when, God forbid, something like this happens again? That's the game. You, there's almost there's almost no team that wins just with one goalie. Um, I've never heard a GM in the history of my life ever complain about having a good backup goalie. Um, and there's been a lot of backup goalies that have come up that have been forced into situations um, that have turned out to be great. Uh, talking about my boy, uh, uh, Bennington, a very, very good friend of mine in St. Louis, first game in Philadelphia, um, ever called up, uh, ever played in the NHL. 3 nothing win against the Flyers, goes on, wins the Stanley Cup. I mean, listen, there's a lot of good goalies out there. It's all opportunity. There's only one position. There's only one goalie in, in the game. Um, this kid looks like he might be really, really good. And I think, if anything, everybody in the Philadelphia area and, and, and all Flyers fans should be really excited about his performance. He looks really good. I mean, listen, these goalies are very, very well trained now. They're, they're, it's unbelievable the way that they're trained and, and the way they, they – they, practice their their craft and there's a lot of good goalies out there and i don't think there's anything wrong with having two really good goalies and if anything i think it's a godsend it is a godsend especially when they're cheap um yeah frankly and on a cap strap team look i i love the situation um at first you know urson gets called in and it's a rough start but he doesn't get the loss so he's technically undefeated in the nhl i mean can't really talk down to that, and that's fantastic for an AHL goaltender to be called Imagine up on a spot. Imagine how exciting it must be for this kid. He's yeah. coming in, he's saying, you know what, let me go out there and just show what I can do, and he, he and he has, and he's played really well, and so you know, keep it rolling. you got to play the hot hand, too. That's sports. You play the hot hand. you got a pitcher that's hot, you you go with him. you got a guy in the, in the bullpen, you go with him. you got a goalie that's hot, you go with him. Um, you know, that's sports. 
And the, and to that, the, the thing is, um, with the two the two week conditioning stint, I think that's the reason why they wanted they wanted to send down Sandstrom to do the conditioning stint, um, is just to kind of have a reason to keep Urson up on the rosters a little bit longer. But I don't think Urson stays with the Flyers. I think he goes back down to the AHL to play a lot more minutes because he can move around on waivers and the Flyers can keep him without risk. So I don't know why you would send down Sandstrom, who has NHL experience, who's a young goaltender. All he has to do, and Tortorella said this as much, and I agree 100%, uh, he's missing that one more save. That's what Tortorella keeps mentioning. And and about that with goaltenders, if he does that, then you have a a young goaltender that becomes trade bait and now you want Urson and you keep Hart. So you now you're now you have assets. Now you're a team in a smooth rebuild. Unless they know something about Urson that we don't, and they're like, hey, we're gonna go with this hot hand here. I, again, I don't know. I don't really follow um the AHL team quite enough, but um maybe they know something that we don't. And they and if they do know something that they don't, um at that as that as far as um everyone else, you know, who is speculating. I will say that Tortorella mentioned earlier that he thought Urson, including Hart on this, had the best preseason. So in that scenario, if you're talking about all the goaltenders that you want to keep around, he's kind of showing his hand, but he might also be showing his hand about the way he's playing the rest of the season as well. Sure, sure. How have you guys felt about the moves from, you know, just guys coming up and down? I feel like all of these moves, we've talked a lot about just – They've really worked, especially like we just talked about it with Cam, talking about it with Urson. I feel like the player development staff is doing a really, really good job right now. I would agree. Uh, absolutely agree. I, I, I also believe uh, while we see these glimpses and these silver linings about how the youth is coming in and they're kind of finding maybe their confidence and stride in Tortorella's system, um, there are games when you are kind of reminded that like we don't have the skill to pro- to compete. So we probably will be a middling team, which was everybody's fear as far as the draft pick and all the lottery and all that shenanigans is concerned. But I look at this team as being so fundamentally and mentally better than they were last year. Or now I'm excited to watch and the expectations being this season, what they were, and they're still the same to me, which is no expectations. I'm just kind of watching and kind of thinking, they're not going to be in the playoffs, but let's just see what they are. That to me is infinitely more exciting because I see a level of care from this roster. And I see for some reason, everybody wants to say there's no direction for the Flyers. I'm starting to find that there's a direction for the Flyers. Yeah, it's called Flyers Nation. Listen up. We already know this. We've already said it. It's called John Tortorella. It's true. Some people hate him. Some people love him. I love him. I think he's going to get a lot. He's going to get the most out of his players. His system is a system that's proven to win. Um, I believe he's won, he wanted an eight seed in the playoffs with Columbus, I believe, the one year. I don't, I don't remember who they beat. Um, but I, I, I think I'm right about that. Um, John Tortorella, man, he's going to get the most out of their players, and I love it. We're, we're, seeing, we're, we're seeing his work uh, right in front of our eyes. I think there was a lot of people who said that maybe that the um... – that the young talent wouldn't develop underneath Tortorella. That you know, he he's gonna he's he doesn't know how to do that kind of thing. I'm like he's only, yeah, he's a hard ass, but he's also like one of the most successful hard asses. So let him hard ass. That's it. Speaking of Torts being a hard ass, 
Morgan Frost said he's been playing his best hockey after scoring in three straight games. Sports did not agree with him. This is what he had to say. Check it out. We may not have the sound, but that's okay. What he did say was basically like, I think he was brutal most of the game. And do we think that this is, again, just lighting a fire under his ass? Or do we think that he's really not that impressed with what Morgan Frost has been able to put together? Uh, me, this is my opinion. Um, not sure what goes on in towards his head. Um, but listen, Frost is ha, does make some mistakes. He's still learning how to play in the NHL. Um, and I think that's probably towards his way of reminding him, hey, like you're playing big minutes right now, but I expect a lot more of you. So I'm going to say this in the, you know, in the media and I'm going to bring you down to earth a little bit. But I think I'll bet you behind closed doors, he knows he's playing pretty well. And uh, as you guys know, I've been a big supporter of Morgan Frost and uh, he is continuing to develop and he is becoming one of my favorite players to watch recently. Um, I think he has got major upside. And now that he's playing some real minutes, I think we can all see, uh, I think we're starting to see some of the fruits of, of, of our labor uh, as far as uh, waiting for Frost to kind of progress and, and develop. Yeah, I agree with that. I do see that he's in one of the better stretches of his career right now. Uh, and for him to notice that short career, that, that, short career, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> fair too, but he's in the, but he, but he is nonetheless. And, um, He's and he does seem confident, and it's now for the first time. Sometimes in press conferences, when you're just allowing Morgan Frost to speak, he doesn't just sound confident. And for him to say that now seems like okay. Now there is some confidence in his words and how he carries himself. Tortorella might not want him to kind of let the highs get too high, so he might have you know said that. Oh, I thought it was brutal, which you know there might be actually some things in this game where he thought was brutal, but overall. I, he played a better game than he did not. So, what well, one of one of the cool one of the cool aspects of sports that most people, including myself and you guys and everyone and fans, don't ever really get to see uh, or appreciate is the psychology of sports, especially That's the psychology correct. of hockey. It's a major part in sports. Um, there's a reason why people get paid um, to go and try to get inside the heads of some players. But there are some coaches that know how to do that as well. And Torres is one of those guys. And it seems to me like he might be the master of psychology, especially when it comes to this young team. Yeah. It's, he, he's, he's pushing his team mentally and it's showing um, for like this. You've sold the words out of my mouth. Like it's, it's the confidence, it's, it's the way that he's using his psychology to get the best out of his players. And you hear it from everywhere that he goes. And you're right. I think that does speak to his master of hockey psychology. Yep. So we, we might've found a, a, a mastermind, <laughs> an evil, an evil genius, hey, if you will, I, in, in I Philadelphia. Have, I have had huge debates with one of my best friends who knows more about hockey than almost anyone I know, including some GMs in the NHL. His name is Cody Leibel out in Cal, out here in, uh, in California. Um, he, he is not a Tortorella fan. He believes, coaches are there to coach and, and stay out of the, uh, of the limelight and stay out of the media. Uh, I completely disagree. And, uh, but that, but it's a fun debate and uh, listen so far, uh, especially recently, I, I like the buttons he's pushing. So. And I think there was an evolution to Tortorella in Philadelphia where before it might've been overstepping a few buttons though, 
hitting the right buttons, but like really mashing them, maybe almost breaking the button. And now he he knows when to hit the button and he knows when to kind of step off and he knows what to do that will send the message instead of like really having to ride it for you know a few days out because he knows he, he kind of he's kind of keeping a cap on on how he is around the media and what questions he will kind of dive into, what questions allow you know allow the, the old Tortorella to come out. Um, he has a cap on that. There, he's much more calculated when he gives you an answer or when he do- doesn't give an answer. Sometimes the answer that everybody is looking for isn't what he's not saying. Like Tortorella is a puzzle that you have to put together. So sometimes I'll listen to the press conferences two or three times afterwards. I mean, just like probably anybody else, but it really, like you can't take what he says at surface. There's, there's, there's always depth to it. And that's, I, I don't know. I think, I think his coaching style comparison to, um, like Mike Yo from last year, which he was just interim, but I think there was just more there that you can read into and sink your teeth into than even than we had with Vigneault. Like Vigneault, everything was good when it was good and it was bad when it was bad, but you didn't really hear about it in such a, uh, you know, with, 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 with such a, a profile that Tortorella has. I Listen, I can only go off, especially what two of my best friends, Shane O'Brien, Scotty Upshaw, they played for him. Um, I can only go off what they've told me. And uh, they both have loved playing for him. Uh, they think he's hard-nosed, but he's he's a lot of fun to play play for, and uh, he expects a lot out of his players. Look, when I when I played for the Philadelphia Junior Flyers growing up in the Philadelphia area, um, the, my, the best coach I ever had, ever, his name is Jerry Doma. She's a legend in the Philadelphia area as far as coaching. And uh, I can tell you right now, he was the – biggest prick if you're listening coach domich you are the biggest prick of a coach i've ever had um any any other player that ever played for him will tell you the same thing and i think he would take that uh as a compliment he was uh, a very very difficult coach to play for he expected he, he expected you know hard work and he'll get right in your face and he has in my face many times um and he expects his style of hockey but he got the most out of his players we, we played in the national championship um that year in 94 and, uh, you know, Tortorella reminds me of that type of coach. And I, I like those guys. I like guys that, that bring out, you know, the best out of players. Firm but fair. That's right. Fair that but firm. Fair but firm, firm but fair. <laughs> goes both ways. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. This is another great episode. Next week we're going to talk a four – We have four games, two home, two on the road that we'll discuss. We'll have a player interview coming up soon. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, follow along wherever you can get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. We'll talk to you again next week.